0: In one of the Captain America films, there's a sequence that satirizes World War II-era propaganda. Captain America becomes the face of an American propaganda campaign. During this sequence, he's in a pro-American stage show with dancing girls, he punches Hitler, he appears on propaganda posters, the whole nine yards. It pokes fun at World War II-era propaganda in a self-aware, over-the-top sort of way. It's a joke. The movie says, isn't it crazy that this is a real thing? It makes us laugh and wonder how people didn't just see right through this blatant propaganda. And in doing so, the movie plays a really clever trick on the audience. It tells us that's what propaganda looks like. It blinds us to the much more subtle messaging that today fills the Captain America franchise and the rest of our movie theaters every single week. Messaging that is legitimately paid for and produced by the Department of Defense you probably wouldn't be shocked to hear that the U.S. military helped with Captain America or even Top Gun. But they also helped with Wonder Woman and Iron Man and King Kong and Jurassic Park and WandaVision and Karate Kid and Godzilla and Indiana Jones and probably some of your favorite movies and TV shows. And not just in a we'll lend you some army uniforms way, but in a we get to rewrite your script and we get to say if your movie comes out type of way. Perhaps most shockingly, none of this is a secret at all. Some of the world's biggest-earning movies are, in essence, blatant state-sponsored U.S. propaganda, and yet somehow everyone seems blissfully unaware. I want to explain how America makes propaganda, what movies fit this label, and why you should care. Today, the Department of Defense has a page on its website called how and why the DoD works with Hollywood. This in very plain language outlines exactly that, or more accurately, how the DoD makes propaganda. You see, movie and TV studios don't just have stockpiles of missiles and tanks and guns to use in shooting, so they go to the DoD to borrow them. The DoD lends them these props or sometimes just outright gives the studios money to make their movies. Of course, there is a catch. The DOD page says, quote, the Defense Department has a long-standing relationship with Hollywood. Production agreements require the DOD to be able to review a rough cut of a film so officials can decide if there are areas that need to be addressed before a film is released. Basically, the DOD will give you money to make your movies. They'll lend you the tanks and guns. But that means they get to rewrite your script and edit your final cut as they see fit. In some cases, movies even need to get final approval from the DoD before going to theaters. And this isn't just some crazy conspiracy theory, it's a well-documented phenomenon. There are publicly accessible documents in which you can find lists of media that the DoD has provided, quote, assistance. These documents even list the specific changes made by the DoD. So, what does it look like when these changes are made? At the end of jurassic park 3 the u.s military comes out of nowhere storms the beach and saves the day in a way that is really jarring from a storytelling point of view it just doesn't make sense but this had to happen during production a u.s military consultant working on the film suggested that this should be how the movie ended the united states air force was given final right to approve the script of captain marvel if the air force didn't like that script movie just wasn't going to get made I could go on with a bunch of other examples and I will the United States military worked with Marvel Studios to design the Captain America character because of this the army allowed Marvel Studios to film at Camp Edward they thought that Captain America quote possessed the values of today's modern soldier and so they supported the film The film also included historically inaccurate portrayals of the United States military, including non-segregated battalions, obviously intended to make their image better. The original script of The Incredible Hulk included references to actual real-life experiments the US military had done. Among other things, it referenced the military dropping pesticides on the Viet Cong to starve the Vietnamese people. But upon reading the script, the actual military had those parts removed entirely. In the movie Godzilla, there was a military character who was originally basically a deadbeat, but the US military had lent support to the film, so they had this character rewritten as a wholesome, sympathetic family man. There are hundreds, maybe thousands of other examples of this same thing, and again, it's not a secret. Recent Freedom of Information Act requests mean the DOD has provided lists of movies they quote, Consulted on. You can find links to some of these in this video's description. But as a rule of thumb, if you see any military sites or equipment in a movie, know that movie probably had to get the DoD's seal of approval. In a 2015 report, the Pentagon included electronic games as a medium that can be used to quote, benefit military service recruiting and retention programs. In the years that followed, every single branch of the US military got its own esports team. The US Army even streamed on Twitch for a while where they gave away prizes to kids as young as 12. There's no evidence that the Call of Duty games go through the same DoD approval process as films, but the game franchise and the US military have undoubtedly been quite friendly over the years. Internal Army documents even revealed millions of dollars being allocated to spend on Twitch streamers for playing Call of Duty. The documents also showed that the US military considered Call of Duty as a useful branding and recruitment tool. There are tales of Call of Duty designers going on to work at the Pentagon, and allegedly the game's parent company has met with Marine Corps representatives during development cycles. So nothing entirely damning, but when paired with the content of these games, a distinctly pro-war message does begin to appear. Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare centers on a U.S. invasion to depose a Middle Eastern tyrant. This is quite obviously a retelling of the Iraq War. In the Call of Duty version, though, the Saddam Hussein stand-in actually has nukes. After defeating the villain, the player is left feeling righteous and justified. Perhaps the player even feels glad US soldiers were stationed in non-virtual Iraq to stop such an atrocity. But the real Saddam never had WMDs. That fact was conveniently changed in the Call of Duty storyline. Call of Duty Black Ops credits the CIA's MKUltra mind control program with preventing a Soviet chemical attack. In reality, MKUltra was a failed experiment and a massive violation of human rights. The sequel, Black Ops 2, featured Lt. Col. Oliver North as a consultant and a character in the game itself, but this is a man who illegally armed and financed Contra death squads in Nicaragua. Then there's the Ronald Reagan appearance in Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. The character in the game protests that a certain mission is illegal and perhaps unethical. A virtual Ronald Reagan soothes his worries, assuring him that it's okay because they are quote, protecting the free people of the world, and Reagan insists that the military needs to get whatever they want. Call of Duty Modern Warfare features a mission that takes place on the so-called Highway of Death. In reality, the Highway of Death was the name for a place where an American-led coalition bombed a caravan of defeated Iraqi soldiers and civilians. These bombs killed hundreds of people, a lot of them entirely innocent. But in the Call of Duty game, Russia was responsible for the highway of death. More broadly, the Call of Duty games collectively feature endless waves of enemies from some fictional alliance of Arabic, Soviet, Vietnamese, South American, and Chinese countries. In Call of Duty 4, the player finds an Arabic nuke on a Russian ship. In another, Pablo Escobar plots with the Soviets. In the games, these bad guys are bound together by a hatred of freedom or some burning desire to see the downfall of the West. America has its adversaries, undoubtedly, but other countries don't just unanimously hate freedom. The Viet Cong didn't hate freedom. South American communist regimes America has toppled didn't hate freedom, etc, etc. But still, Call of Duty puts forth this idea that military interventionism is the glue that holds our global society together. I'm not saying that Call of Duty is some kind of clandestine psy-op. I am saying it is one of the subtle modern ways that the military entertainment complex disseminates its messaging. But none of this is even remotely new. The tradition of US military propaganda goes back decades and decades. the U.S. military loves propaganda, it always has. The use of propaganda by the U.S. government has its roots in World War I. During this war, the Wilson administration created the Committee on Public Information. This agency was tasked with influencing public opinion on World War I. The CPI used newsprint, posters, radio, telegraph, and film to further patriotic pro-war messaging. However, the agency drew heavy criticism after the end of the war and was pretty quickly dissolved in the years following. But then, World War II came along. Now, before I go any further, I do want to say, when you're fighting Hitler and actual Nazis, it's important to communicate the gravity of the situation. I appreciate that. And in World War II, I also recognize that there was some element of, you gotta do what you gotta do. So, maybe World War II propaganda isn't the worst thing in this video, but, it definitely laid the groundwork for today's propaganda, which I do feel is quite insidious. Anyways, around World War II, the US military met Hollywood. It was truly love at first sight. With Hollywood, the military did not have to produce its own material. Instead, it could insert pro-war messaging into media that the American people were already consuming. But there was a problem. During World War One, propaganda had become kind of icky to the average American. It was pretty heavily associated with fascist regimes and the Committee on Public Information had come under really significant criticism. So during World War II, the United States officially had no propaganda, but the Roosevelt government did circumvent this official line. One way they did this was through the Writers' War Board, or WWB, which has been called the quote, largest propaganda machine ever created. The WWB was technically a private organization. It was privately owned and operated, but it was created by the request of the U.S. Department of Treasury and entirely funded by the U.S. government. The Writers' War Board had its hand in everything. It was made up of a bunch of individual committees, including the Radio Committee, Foreign Writers' Committee, High School Contest Committee, Book Burning Committee, Library Committee, and many, many more. The organization's role was basically to serve as a go-between for writers in the U.S. and the U.S. government itself. If the government wanted some pro-war piece written, they'd find someone to do it through the WWB. But more immediately relevant to this video, World War II saw the creation of the Office of War Information. The OWI ran all kinds of propaganda projects, but they did a whole lot of film. From 1942 to 1945, the OWI revised or discarded entirely 1600 film scripts. If a movie seemed to portray the US, its military, or its involvement in the war negatively, that movie wasn't happening, and of course vice versa. They would lend financial support to the films that posited a patriotic message. The OWI also created several of its own propaganda films, but these were really obviously propaganda. They literally opened with the United States Government Presents. People knew what they were watching, or at least knew the government had produced it. The OWI was dissolved after World War II, but its model remained the basis for the modern-day U.S. military entertainment complex. And no one has pointed that out more elegantly than Elmer Davis, the head of the OWI. In the 40s, he was quoted as saying, the easiest way to inject a propaganda idea into most people's minds is to let it go through the medium of an entertainment picture so they do not realize they're being propagandized. Today's DOD Hollywood relationship obviously builds on the World War II era of American propaganda. Now, some of you might be saying that this relationship is totally fair. Studios can and have made anti-war movies, or whatever they want to make. They just won't get military funding, it's a simple quid pro quo. If you want to use our stuff or you want our money, you gotta play ball. The military doesn't want to financially support things that make them look bad, and that makes sense. This whole argument makes sense. But it doesn't account for all of the issues at play. For one, taxpayers pay for all of those shiny toys and money that the military gives out to movies, video game companies, or TV shows. It doesn't seem ethical that the military manipulates us using our own money. The other issue is that of transparency. You know that these movies are functioning propaganda because you watched this video. But the impressionable 13-year-old does not. He doesn't stick around for the tiny little thank you to the military at the end of the Iron Man credits. He probably doesn't know that Call of Duty is rewriting history, and he probably doesn't crawl the DoD website for tucked away disclaimer articles. No, all of this stuff just goes into his impressionable young mind and does exactly what it's supposed to do. The kid probably didn't even notice, but his brain did. And after a childhood of being inundated with pro-military propaganda, he hits 18 and he's ready to enlist. Even outside of this scenario, Pro-war media subtly but effectively normalizes global violence and American imperialism. It perpetuates the acceptance of our forever wars. Because the military is not making movies and saying, you're about to watch propaganda. These movies, TV shows, and games don't open with, made in partnership with the U.S. military. I'm sure the DoD is quite happy about that. Instead, they are sneaking their messaging into the most profitable, widely consumed media on the planet and hoping you don't notice.